Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Rangers Review Morning Briefing for Wednesday, the 7th of December. The year is fairly cracking on and it is mighty chilly down here where I'm in Warrington this morning. I'm not too sure about you boys. I'm joined by firstly Johnny McFarlane. How are you getting on, Johnny? Yeah, good, mate. It's uh, it's pretty chilly up here in uh, in Glasgow, mate. It's not you wouldn't want to be going out without your uh, your uh, yeah. scarf and gloves. Put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, a frost down here. What's it like there, Stevie? How are you getting on? Yeah, it's cold this morning. Um, I always take a dog out in the morning after dropping the kids, and every day I say I need to remember my hat and everything else, and every day I don't bother. So <laughs> I, I need to get better at it. But yeah, it's pretty chilly. This morning, but it's a nice clear morning. So, what you need to buy yourself, Stevie, is one of these Russian Yushankas. You know the big ones with the flaps that come down. <laughs> make sure they come. Keeps you nice Wait, and warm, mate. Make, make, make sure look a little bit silly, but keeps you nice and warm. No, I don't care about looking silly. I mean, that's me every day. But <laughs> as long as I'm warm, I thought you called me a bad word there. No, 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 no. no they're called <laughs> Yushankas. <laughs> they're like Russian, the kind of Russian hats. It makes you look like one of these uh, dogs with the flappy ears. Aye. Aye, get me one of them. No bother. Somebody out there can sponsor me. That's fine. <laughs> Either that or get a balaclava, although uh, there's certain Scottish football grounds I don't, don't think you're allowed in with, with balaclavas, I was reading. So, uh, yeah, that will keep you warm. But here, listen, people are tuning in to talk all things uh, Rangers and plenty going on, uh, even though uh, there's no matches to report on uh, as yet. Of course, Rangers back in action on Saturday when Bayer Leverkusen are the visitors to Ibrox. Uh, before we talk Rangers, folks, in the fallout from the AGM, um, you can see the little ticker below. We've got that Christmas offer on the website. Two months worth of coverage for just a pound. It really is cracking value. Head over to rangersreview.co.uk forward slash subscribe for all the details. And before we talk Rangers, this ca this uh, comment from Ian Campbell says, uh, where are your decorations, Derek? How dare you, Ian? You can see here, there's my little Santa Claus on the fireplace, along with some tinsel also. Although, I think that question should be directed at Johnny. Where's your Christmas decorations? I don't put Christmas decorations up in my office. It's bad enough downstairs in the living room. Um, I'm not, you know what, I've got to be honest, I'm a bit grumpy when it comes to this stuff. I'm not a big Christmas guy in general, you know. I I, I don't know, I just can't really, get, I'm a bit of a Scrooge. I don't really get in the Christmas spirit. It's not for me. Yeah, uh, what I about prefer you, my birthday because then it's all about me, you know, being a narcissist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bat humbug and, and, and all that. But uh, yeah. right, let's talk Rangers, folks, because uh, uh, like I say, plenty going on. The AGM was yesterday. Stevie was there uh, alongside uh, Joshua Barry. Uh, if you've not seen a reaction video, uh, people go and check it out on YouTube uh, and also on Twitter as well. There's a slight issue on Facebook yesterday. I think it was a Facebook problem, uh, but I've put the link in. If you, if you watch us on Facebook, you can uh, watch the, the full video. However, the big news last night is that the Rangers resolutions, uh, big resolutions were passed uh, as the board plans were backed. Uh, I'll quickly quickly uh, update you here. Uh, they backed two heavily disputed AGM resolutions regarding the allotment of shares by the Ibrooks board. Resolutions 7 and 8 were passed by shareholders who supported the board plans to allow for shares to be distributed to favoured investors. Uh, the first motion backed Resolution 7 allows for the directors to allot new shares, while Resolution 8 gives the board powers to distribute shares to hand-picked investors without first offering them to existing shareholders. Uh, and the big news also coming out last night was that Douglas Park 
was reappointed as a director at Rangers after a vote at the club AGM. Uh, the Ibrox chairman uh, retired and offered himself for re-election to the board in line with the company policies uh, and his reappointment was put to shareholders along with the resolutions uh, yesterday, of course, on Tuesday. Uh, the current chairman required a majority backing to return to the board uh, as a director and the club confirmed last night, I'm sure you've seen, uh, the vote to reappoint Park uh, to the board and it was passed. The update uh, from the club said, the board of Rangers International Football Club PLC is pleased to confirm that all resolutions presented at today's annual general meeting were approved by shareholder vote. This successful outcome will assist the club with its ambitious investment plans on and off the field of play. Full details of the shareholder vote shall follow. Uh, I'll get your view first of all, uh, Johnny. Um, what do you make of this? Uh, certainly from social media, the reaction seemed to be very positive as to uh, the resolutions that were passed. Well, obviously, there was. I think there was a little bit of a concern regarding Resolution 8, whether or not it would pass or not. That was relating to um, the ability to go to existing uh, shareholders and uh, get more more funds in. Um, I think the situation as, as it stood was, given the situation with Club 1872 um, and Dave King, there was a little bit of a concern that um, with it needing 75% to get past, that the, the combination of those two plus a few other people adding to that would uh, potentially scupper it and uh, Rangers would have to have a another think about how they were going to get the investment required uh, to do future capital projects. For example, like the disabled access, which uh, I thought, uh, to be honest, Eric, was, uh, was nothing short of sensational. Um, if you think about how complex a situation that has been to resolve, I spoke to someone at the club this time last year, um, following the last AGM, where a supporter gave an incredibly emotional account of just how bad it is for disabled supporters coming to see the club they love. Yeah. Um, and in 2021 and now 2022, it just isn't good enough that diehard Rangers fans um, are kind of forced to brave the elements in the way they, they have been. Something had to give, something had to be done, and I think this is a very impressive solution that ultimately will give more seats to to Ibrox as well as providing um, what sounds like state-of-the-art facilities for disabled fans with significantly improved vantage points with multiple options of where they want to be able to sit in the stadium. Um, so really, really impressive, and, and I think the board deserve a lot of credit for getting that sorted out because um, if they can push it through financially, I think finally something that really has needed to be done for, and I'm not just talking about under this current board, I'm talking about years and probably decades um, will finally get sorted. Uh, and it's something I think most people who who look at it, even the ones that are probably potentially getting moved on the back of this at some point, will look at and say, you know, this is something that, that absolutely needs to be done for the future of the football club uh, to be inclusive and, and properly account for the, the needs of disabled fans, which... It's just something that a club like Rangers has to do. Um, yeah, it, it's just it's a, it's a key part, um, and to pay for that, you know, I, I think uh, Resolution Eight was um, was absolutely very very important indeed. I also think there was a question um, by a guy in the audience yesterday where it was put to him, uh, it was put to the board that that um, 
he knew high net worth individuals and was wondering um, what the what the opportunity was for investment and would would they be open to investment? Um, and I think John Bennett answered in a word, yes, provided these pass. So hopefully it does open Rangers up to to more money coming in from outside investors, um, people that have the best interests of the club at heart, people who um, know the club and know what they're getting into or, or know the boards and, and know what their aims are. Uh, as I've said before on here, I'm sure Stevie will have interest to hear what Stevie thinks, but I'm sure he'll agree. Uh, you know, I, I I wouldn't be keen on uh, anyone coming in that, that that was seeing this as an opportunity to make money, or seeing it as an opportunity to um to, to basically bring other investors in without having money themselves. I think you want to bring in high net worth individuals with Rangers at heart. Um, I think Julian Woolhart is a is an is a, a an example of a guy who who maybe didn't know Rangers, but has um has has offered quite a lot over his time at the club and is now, by all accounts, a big Rangers fan. Um, but he was obviously a trusted guy who's come in and, and, and knows people connected to the to the current setup. And I think it's very important that um, people coming in in future um, are either like that or, or, or are fans because we've just seen so, so many times in the past at so many clubs, not least our own, that it can be a very, very dangerous situation if you let people in who... Whose whose desires and whose um, intentions are are a little bit uh, unclear, and, and and that's not something I think you you want to see from Rangers again. And there's a lot of people talking about others who have been touted in the media. Uh, Kyle Fox is another one whose name keeps on getting brought up. I've said before, and I'll say again: I'm not sure that someone coming in to to punt NFTs and uh, uh, digital assets is really the answer. Maybe that she's going to offer more than that but certainly our investor deck seemed to seem to focus around um, how that was going to transform Rangers that won't transform Rangers it's nonsense so um yeah it needs to be someone with tangible ideas for growth and who can uh re-energize the club with with an injection of cash for me yeah, uh, Stevie, you, you you really uh, touched on the, the disabled uh, plans yesterday uh, really well. In terms of these resolutions that were passed last night and the re-election of uh, Douglas Park, what's your what's your view on that? Well, I wasn't surprised that um, the resolutions passed. First of all, I thought it was fairly straightforward that everybody would be voted back on the board. I've had. Um, my, my say with, with Douglas Park before, I think that it depends on what way you look at it. I mean, I've had some pretty good conversations with people who, and their idea is that a chairman of a company of our size and in the business world, the chairman shouldn't be seen or heard. He should be in the background making the decisions and things like that, which is a fair enough point. However, I don't think that Rangers potentially are able to, to operate like that as chairman. So, I the criticism of Douglas Park is a difficult one for me because Douglas Park, John Bennett, you know, John Bennett spoke yesterday about his investment now being at twenty three million pounds, and you know, I, I think it's okay to disagree with these guys and have the club's best interest at heart and put your point of view across and and maybe have a difference of opinion. I think that's normal. I think that's where we are as football fans, but. Derek, I've said this before, and it may be controversial or, or, or whatever, but 
I'm unwilling to sit here and slate guys that put in millions and millions of pounds in our football club and pretend that I know better than they do. Would I sit and have a discussion with them and say, I don't agree with certain football decisions and, and certain things that you've done? Would I question them on certain things, lawsuits and, and things like that? Of course I would. Of course we would as, a, as an opinion as, as football fans. And I think that's absolutely fine. But I don't think I'm vexed or qualified enough to sit here and question these guys and, and ask them you know, about money, etc. when John Bennett's and, and Douglas Park are putting millions into the club. So unless I've read it wrong, Douglas Park literally handed the club £5 million in the summer for a sponsorship deal. And John Bennett yesterday confirmed what we already knew, that he's provided a new £10 million loaning um, facility for the club as well. So, you know, Stevie's sitting here mumping and moaning and, and saying this and that about their levels of investment. I don't think personally he's fair. Could I have a conversation with them as a, a, to repeat myself, just to kind of talk about football and disagree with parts and all? Of course we could, but that's the, the nature of the football club. We all want a winning Rangers team, but the fact that he's he's been put back on the board, given everything that he's put into the club, doesn't really surprise me. There'll be, there'll be other opinions, which I understand completely, and there'll be people out there that say we could do this and do that. I completely agree with that. I think that's a fair point of view. And I think there's lots of discussion to be had around that. But I think it's really difficult when you're saying, yeah, we're quite happy to take his money, but we don't want him on the board, etc. So let's be fair about it. And that's that's only my opinion, Derek, but that's the way I see it. Yeah. Yeah, there were some really interesting takeaways from the AGM yesterday. This is a, an interesting point from a good friend of the show, uh, Jamie Brown from the, the, the World uh, Rangers Supporters Club. Uh, comparisons to Norwich and other teams in our group was an interesting view. He's talking about the Champions League group, of course, Rangers earning far less than the, the other sides, Ajax, Napoli and Liverpool. Uh, I suspect we'll see increased fees on ticketing moving forward. Um, this was an interesting point, uh, Johnny, wasn't it, that the comparison to... Norwich, who were relegated from the English Premier League um, uh, last season, uh, last season was that? I'm sure. I'm sure it was. In the end, I think 47 million pounds more than what Rangers did, despite reaching a Europa League final. It tells you the the, the difference uh, in leagues that they play in, but in, of course in the Champions League as well. It's not really a level playing field going up against these sides in terms of the distribution of money that comes in. Part is that part of that, of course, of the the Champions League five year uh, situation where Rangers, of course, haven't had uh, much to draw in, in terms of European experience, of course. But um, what do you make of this? Can you see increased fees and in ticketing moving forward? I know that Stuart Robertson was pressed on the Champions League package and the pricing structure for that, and it did. Uh, no, uh, it was supply and demand. They did sell out all all the games. I can understand his viewpoint on that, but you can understand the supporters' view as well, I guess. So I'm just wanting a little bit back for, from the board uh, for sticking by them in, in in recent years. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I think um, if you're if you're talking about Norwich, that that's kind of old hat. We we, we know that anyone yeah. who kind of follows football and, and understands the level of revenue that's going into. The Premier League down south knows that absolutely astronomical figures are going in from Sky. I think yeah. around about a hundred million pounds. So, which tells you about Norwich and the size of Norwich in comparison to the Rangers, given that the TV revenue for Rangers was something like two point eight million last season. Um, I, I thought the more interesting one, um, if we're talking about comparisons, was how much money would be earned from the Champions League group by the four teams that were in the Champions League group. I think. 
Liverpool were guaranteed 50 million. Uh, I think Ajax something like 33. Can't remember Napoli, but it was higher than that. Yeah. And then yeah. Rangers down at the bottom on, on 18 million pounds. And again, listen, Rangers Review has been at the forefront of, of kind of talking about this and, and, and doing articles on this, but just once again underlines how badly affected Rangers were from a final financial point of view last season by not having that 10-year coefficient uh, in the shape that it needed to be in, which meant that Rangers were ranked the 31st out of 32 teams in, in the competition. And what that meant was that... Um, on this new second rung of Champions League revenue, which ranks you based on what you've done in the past, Rangers were absolutely decimated. And, and unfortunately, it meant the Champions League wasn't that much of a of a boost on what they would have, have made from the, the Europa League. Now, you have to put that in context. This is talking about fees guaranteed from the competitions. Um, of course, Rangers would charge more for the Champions League package than the Europa League. They sold out. They might not have sold out a Europa League package. I think they would have, but they might not have. Um, so there is a bit more money associated with sponsorship and things like that as well. But I think overall, it's not actually been that much more. And certainly not the kind of king's ransom that for, for I think, a few years, we've seen the tabloids banging on about 40 million war chest, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It just hasn't. It hasn't happened uh, like that. And there's been, a for me, a dose of kind of, not reality almost, but just kind of underlining the the financial reality that the club faces with a couple of these slides in a, in a quite in a quite interesting way. We know that the money there has not quite uh, been what, what we would all hope. I think what the argument then comes down to, and, and I see a lot of Rangers fans making this argument, and Stevie himself has been making this argument, is it's then how you take that money and spend it, that, that limited mon money that you have. And, and to me, the story of the AGM was the way Ro Ross Wilson was was grilled uh, from, from beginning yeah. to end. And it really, really told the story of fan discontent that goes far, far wider than, than social media. Um, because sometimes we can get carried away with the, the sort of Twitter bubble that we're all part of. But you could see that that Ross Wilson was really, really, really grilled time and time again. And to be fair to Ross, he, he, he put up a robust defence. Uh, he didn't shirk um, the questions. But it was, uh, it was very telling about how he's perceived by the Rangers support. And you have to say that, you know, Ross Wilson is going to have to go some to turn that kind of feeling, level of feeling around in the next 12 months. Uh, I wouldn't imagine that um, he's in a position where he'll likely relish another dose of that treatment at the next AGM, for example. He's all in on Michael Beale. It's as simple as that. I think even Michael Beale, some of his reactions showed, uh, you know, that he felt um, perhaps that uh, Ross Wilson was getting a hard time. There was a couple of moments where people had sort of zoomed in on him, maybe maybe a little bit unfairly, where, where you could see Michael Beale sort of reacting to some of the questions. Um, but it, it did show again, like, like fans were not holding back. They were drilling into the detail on Ross Wilson. Some people will say they could have drilled into more detail. I see some of the comments saying, you know, there was a few missed opportunities, and I don't disagree with that, but that's always going to happen in an AGM when people queue to get in, queue to, to, to get into actually ask questions, they're going to ask the questions that they want as opposed to yeah. uh, what other people think. Um, so, yeah, that, that for me is the story of the AGM, the, 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 the situation around Ross Wilson and, and how much of a hard time he got on. 
Yeah, it was clear. You were there, Stevie. Um, the supporters clearly uh, not impressed recently with, uh, especially the, the recruitment. I think that that's what was mainly based on. Um, he did point out, uh, he was quizzed on John Suter about uh, uh, his um, suitability for Rangers based on the fact that Hearts play pretty much a game a week. Uh, got a bit of a round of applause from uh, the audience. Uh, he replied and saying that they don't need to buy a Connor Goldson every game that plays 60 games uh, a season. I've seen that that's uh, uh, received a bit of criticism from supporters suggesting that, well, they just want players that are, that are fit and able to, to play games for, for Rangers. Um, what do you make of that response when he was quizzed? It was an interesting question, wasn't it, from uh, the shareholder who, who brought up a number of players. He brought up Janino Bakuna. Uh, Ross Wilson uh, disputed that in terms of the fee that was paid and, and said that they actually made a profit on him. Uh, he discussed Aaron Ramsey. Um, there was uh, Zukowski, he mentioned as well, Ahmad Diallo. There was a host of players there. Um, what do you make to his response to that, that question with regards to uh, the recruitment? Well, I would settle for getting 60 minutes. <laughs> Some of these guys never mind 60 games. But, you know, I, th- I think it highlights, Derek, like I've, I've sat on this show now for, for several months and made my point clear about Ross Wilson. And, and sometimes I feel like it's kind of like an echo chamber where it's just me constantly banging on about the same things. And it was nice in a way to know that other fans feel the same way as I do. And it's not it's not just my opinion out there on, on certain things at the club. It doesn't make it completely correct. It just makes it that a normal fans are, are thinking the same as what what I do. And I class myself very much as, as one of the guys that stand in the stands, etc. So... From the point of view that the questions there, I found them to be like they resonated with me because it's the same things that I'm thinking. It's nice to have them asked that people took the opportunity. And the question, that question in particular, I think was the the best one at the AGM. You know, it was warmly received by the crowd, which tells you quite a lot as well. And the reaction not only to Ross Wilson, but then to put it onto the board was a good one. So you know, he, the point being that he might have been slightly out in the values of the players and stuff like that, but this isn't suddenly on one transfer window under Ross Wilson. This is a build-up of, you know, it's not reactionary to, oh, right, we're in this position, who can we blame? People have seen, you know, this goes back to not only January, but before that, last summer, where Rangers were champions, didn't build on it. January needed to retain the the, um, title, we needed a push on, we needed certain players, we didn't get it. Then in the summer, we've needed players that would hit the ground running. We spoke a lot about this, about getting in a specific type of player, positions, make sure they hit the ground running. And we haven't done it. And when you think about the biggest outlays that we have in the summer, Matondo, Ben Davies, Redvan Yilmaz, none of them are, are produced what we expect them to produce. So... None of them been available enough. None of them have really looked, you know, 100%, let's say. You know, we can argue Ben Davis bits and pieces, Yilman's bits and pieces when he's played. But what we needed was ready-made guys able to go straight in there. And what we got was slightly different. So there was a comment there just a wee second ago, Derek, that says, you know, bang on. What Johnny's point was that... Yeah. It's not really what we had. It's how we spent it and, and spending it and maximising it. And I get that Ross Wilson, and I hear this quite a lot, that he's dealing with such a difficult um, transfer budget and, and a difficult market and not everyone can be spot on. 
And that's that's a very fair point. However, when you look at what other teams are getting in for the same values, and we're spending quite a lot on players, it doesn't really ring true. So I, I think there's a definite criticism for Ross Wilson in terms of the job he's doing recruitment-wise. And the question that the boy made in terms of Ross Wilson's incomings of 26 players, and I think only maybe a handful, as he pointed out, have been successes. Arguably, that's what the overall fan base feel. Now, the boardroom can sit and tell you that's wrong, but when you're looking at teams and you're seeing the majority of the team being Mark Allen's and previous, I think that speaks volumes for the levels of, of, of kind of support of the fan base and, and, and the actual truth of, of where we are in terms of Ross Wilson. So, as I said, I've, I've been very critical. I've, I've been very um, pointed on my opinion on Ross Wilson, but I agree with Johnny. This really, really is last chance saloon for him. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't even be surprised if, if we find ourselves getting to the summer and Ross Wilson looks to move on from the club even regardless of, of how the situation goes, because I don't think he'll want to be in a position like Johnny pointed out, where he's getting that level of scrutiny and intensity that he got yesterday. So I think it's very much a situation that we'll need to, to look at quite closely in the coming month. Yeah. Uh, the heat's yeah can I just on. come in on that? Uh, yep. just, just on, on uh, Ross Wilson, I just want to offer a, a slightly alternative point of view. I, I agree with a lot of things Stevie said there, and I think... Um, there's undoubtedly uh, a, a movement from the fans that, that are frustrated with Ross Wilson. I think it's important, though, to note, Ross Wilson's job is about a lot more than recruitment. Now, we can say that recruitment is what the fans care about, and, and that's absolutely true. That's the real politic, and that's what I'm saying with my initial point, and that's why he'll be under pressure, and it's why he'll not want to be in this situation at another AGM, that's for sure, where he's been scrutinised. But fundamentally, his job is about the entire football operation. One of the things that Ross Wilson's put in um, is, is this one-club philosophy that brings the entire club together. We've seen massive improvement in the women's setup. They're obviously champions, uh, completely dominating women's football at the moment. Um, in Scotland, uh, you've got the youth setup, which is vastly improved. You go into the academy and you see an incredible level of detail that wasn't there Five years ago, you see incredible moves forward in terms of the technical facilities that they've got there, um, all throughout the academy, all throughout the training centre. Um, things have moved forward significantly. There's a, a new recruitment team has been brought in. I think that's important to stress as well in terms of going forward. It's not the same guys that have been uh, in charge up until the, the point that we got into in the summer. We know that John Park is now there. Um, overseeing, I think, the biggest scouting network that Rangers have, have, have ever had. All that stuff, though, I get is moot if the players that are brought in aren't good enough or are injured and don't perform. Um, but I think it's important to stress that Ross Wilson's job has other facets to it other than just recruitment. As I think was stressed at the AGM, He's not the guy that's making the final decision on transfers. He's part of a of a team. The recruitment team will go out and look at players. That'll get narrowed down and then brought to the manager. I've spoken before about the difference between uh, Stephen uh, Gerrard and Giovanni van Bronckhorst. Stephen Gerrard, much more a traditional British manager who'd be more directive about transfers. Giovanni van Bronckhorst, much more relaxed, much more in tune with and 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 
used to that system and completely um, down with the idea of not necessarily coming in and, 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 and saying, I want this guy and I want this guy and I want this guy. I suspect Michael Beale will be a, a reversion. Michael Beale, we know, has an encyclopedic knowledge of young players from his time uh, down yeah. south at both Chelsea and at Liverpool. All those players are now coming to coming to the boil, coming to fruition at their clubs uh, around all the different leagues uh, in Europe. And I would not be surprised at all if he was dipping into the market with players he's worked with in the past, players who he knows have the skill set to to perfectly suit Rangers. That's what he did at QPR. He went out and he, he bought a good few players in the summer, uh, free transfers, people that he'd worked with before. Um, some of them, you know, they, I think Michael Beale will be back to... I like this guy, I like this guy, I like this guy, Ross Wilson, make it happen, rather than the, the, the kind of power balance that happened under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, where he was very, very, very comfortable in a director of football model. I'm not saying Michael Beale won't be comfortable, I think he will be. I'm just saying there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a difference in the way that maybe different managers will, will, will see that model. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Then that just, can I just come in there? Yeah, of course. Really, then that just backs up the actual point, though, Johnny, because... If Giovanni Van Bronckhorst is comfortable or was comfortable in a director of football manner and the more responsibility went on to Ross Wilson, then he has to take responsibility for what we've seen in January and the summer, hence the criticism of the recruitment. And that's been the point, Derek, that I've made in the last couple of months with regard to Van Bronckhorst, recruitment and Ross Wilson. So while you sit there and say that the training ground's better and we're doing better at bits and pieces, I don't see any tangible evidence that backs that up. It's an easy point to make because nobody can really sit there and go, right, okay, fair enough. But the scouting department is down from the summer. Medical department is down from the summer. So these are these are issues that people are highlighting and say, well, if this is his role overall, this is the problems we've got with it. So I, I get your point. Like, genuinely, I understand what you're saying with regards to a director of football, but sometimes I think we're just making a defence for making a defence without really providing anything there for it. So, unfortunately for Ross Wilson, he will be judged first and foremost by what we are seeing on the pitch. And your very point there about Giovanni Van Bronckhurst just backs up the last year and why he is getting criticism. So I understand that, Johnny. Like, I, I really do understand your point, but... I can't like I hear this quite a lot about Ross Wilson, and I just don't see it. Like I genuinely can't. I can't agree with that at all. Yeah, but I think if you look at like for example the elite clubs in the Premier League, I think most of the managers in the Premier League would be of a mind of Giovanni Van Bronckhurst. I think it would be that the technical director overseeing a recruitment team will um, work on a number of targets and then take them to the manager. Um, that I, I don't think that's any different to kind of the way most clubs work. And in the UK, because we have a different kind of outlook towards technical directors, as a general, it's not normal. It's not what, for example, it's not what Steven Gerrard really grew up with. Um, but it's definitely what Giovanni Van Bronckhorst grew up with. You know, he was coming through at Feyenoord at a time when there was various guys that were there um, overseeing them. And, you know, I've sp spoken to a couple of them actually um, over my career. Um, people like Mark Vota, for example, who was there. And the, the, that, that's an absolute 
normal part of the, the Dutch football culture. And it's only really emerged in Scotland and, and in the UK in the last maybe 10 years. I think all but one Premier League club has a has a director of football now. Um, so I know what you're saying in terms of, well, if Giovanni van Bronckhorst is, was less involved in terms of that guy, that guy, that guy, then does more onus fall on um, Giovanni, uh, on um, Ross Wilson. But I would just argue that Giovanni van Bronckhorst was still the guy who was saying, I want that guy rather than that guy or that guy. According to what I've been told, you might have been told different. Um, and certainly the, the, the club have been very specific on that. Time and time again, they've said the manager has the final say. They were saying that yesterday. Um, so, listen, it's 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 an emotive subject, the recruitment. And I, I think fundamentally, I look at these seven players that have been brought in in the summer, and I think six out of those seven look like good players to me. And that there's been real, real bad luck around five of them. Now, John Suter, you're going to expect to have an injury problem based on his on his record, of course. Um, but in terms of other guys, you know, Cholak's been fit and available. But other than that, just just the only other one that's been available the whole time is Matondo. Uh, the rest of them have, have suffered injury problems. Tom Lawrence, the one player you wouldn't want to get injured because the one guy that is there to fill in that sort of number eight goal-scoring threat gets injured, and that's absolutely huge. If you've got Tom Lawrence fit and firing, Antonio Cholak doing what Antonio Cholak does... It looks a lot better. I think Ridman, Ridvan Yilmaz was always going to be a, a slow burn. But fundamentally, eh, I'm sitting here defending those signings when I believe, like you do, Stevie, that it was wrong to go and spend the volume of cash that Rangers did on Ridvan Yilmaz when fundamentally there was other areas of the team that absolutely needed more eh, a, an injection of cash. We all know that that's the midfield. So... Again, it does come back to the point, was the money spent wisely? Was the money spent right? Um, as well as I've defended Ross Wilson or tried to present the opposite side on Ross Wilson, I don't think that was the case. I don't think the money was spent as wisely as it could be. That's my honest take on it. Interesting points, uh, lads. There's so many comments coming in. We'll, we'll move on now. You can um, uh, donate to us, folks, and support the show with uh, what's known as a super chat, I'm led to believe. Uh, James has done just that, but I'm not entirely sure this is the best question uh, to direct to us. Why does Ross Wilson speak like Gordon Brown? It's not something that's ever crossed my mind, uh, James. But, uh, yeah, uh, thanks very I much. I've a compliment to Ross Wilson that, that he speaks like a, one of, the, yeah, you know, one of the, the best Scottish politician orators in history. <laughs> Yeah, um, bit of a strange one, but yeah, yeah, well, but, anyway. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're from. I'm not sure if they're from the same neck. I was no God Brown's from uh, Inverkeithing, I think, in Fife. Yeah, Fife. But, um, uh, yeah, that's an interesting one. Thanks for your donation, James, and your support. Uh, Sunny Boy gets in touch. What time is kickoff on Saturday? 1pm, I'm led to believe, uh, against Bayer Leverkusen uh, at Ibrox uh, for that uh, uh, friendly, of course, before Rangers are back in competitive action. Now, um, moving on here, um, some other points that, that are coming in. Um, this one from Ross Nielsen. I want, I want your uh, opinion on this, Stevie. Uh, Leon Balligan has given an interview uh, to a podcast yesterday uh, discussing his uh, exit from Rangers uh, and his time obviously at QPR. He says, big Balligan up, uh, back up the road in January then, guys. Could do worse for a signing till the end of the season for cover at the back. What's your feeling on that, Stevie? Honestly? <laughs> 
Surely people know how I'll react to this kind of stuff by now. Um, no, absolutely not. Leon Balogun did well for us for a couple of seasons, but you know it's past, and let's move on from that. We should be. We've got far better centre halves at the club, um, albeit that they're not fit, which is half the issue. But yeah, um, I think that the the noises coming out of the club currently are that the centre back position is rapidly improving, um, injury wise, and we might see some of them back. So. You know, I, I think that we as a support have a, a real um, tendency to revolutionise like our thoughts on people, especially if they're injured and not there. Like we used to do all the time with, with folk that were injured and we'd suddenly make a difference. Leon Balogun, um, you know, did fine for us, but he, he's not coming back and we're not paying for him to come back either. So it's no criticism of him. We've just moved on, and I think that we have better players here currently than the idea of potentially bringing him back. So it's a very polite but firm no. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Steve, Steely FM gets in touch. Before we get to you, Johnny, says that morning your standards are definitely dropping at Rangers. Never got my usual Rangers happy birthday email today. Well, happy birthday, uh, Steely. Uh, and uh, sorry, never get your usual uh, happy birthday email uh, from, from Rangers, but you're getting it from uh, everyone here at the Rangers Review. So I hope you have, have a great day. Yeah, Johnny, what were you wanting to say there? Yeah, I'm going to make a wee positive declaration here. I'm bullish about uh, Rangers' future, and I'm bullish about Rangers' future under Michael Beale. I think the guy has been superb so far and probably exceeded the expectations in the way he's carried himself, both at the AGM yesterday and certainly at the press conference. Um, now, listen, is that a surprise to a lot of us who who are close to the club, uh, people who have dealt with Beale in the past? Not necessarily, but one of the reasons that I am so bullish about the Beale era is when I look at the centre-backs at the club. I think uh, Ben Davies, Connor Goldson, central defensive partnership is pretty much top for the Scottish Premiership level. If those two are fit and can get close to each other, you've got both have an ability to pass the ball, both are comfortable on the ball, both can bring it out. Ben Davies has got a, a really nice left foot for a centre-back, very calm, unflappable. Okay, maybe not brilliant in the air, but then you've got Conor Golson, who's a big strapping lad who can go and attack the ball. Behind them, you've got Leon King, you've got John Souter, who we know is a talent. Once he's fit, he played 33 games last season for Hearts. We know he's capable of having a run in the in, in, uh, without injury, because he did that pretty much last year, all the way up till I think, the last three or four games when he, he suffered an injury. And you've got Phil Hellander there too. There's, there's a lot of talent there. Now, we all know that Philip Hollander has had serious injury problems, so just forget him at the moment. Just think about the fact that you've got Davies, Goldson, and King behind them. That, to me, is a very, very, very exciting foundation to build a Scottish Premiership title winning side. And I look at that and I think to myself, you bring back a, an injury-prone guy like Leon Balligan, who's in his, his, his mid-30s, I think he's 35, Derek, you can correct me. 34, 35, I'm sure. Yeah, a terrific player. And if he was you know, a few years younger and he didn't have the problems, then obviously you would be wanting to keep him around um, because you know, really quick uh, and, I, and I, I, by all accounts, a great guy to have around in the dressing room. But those those central defenders, believe me, Rangers have a foundation there to, to build something for the future. Yeah, listen, it's, optimi it's an optimistic view, but the key point is getting players fit 
which has been a problem this season. Um, so that is it. That is a million-dollar question at this moment in time. On paper, when Rangers have all players fit, it is a very good squad. We all know that. However, uh, they've had a raft of, of long-term injuries and, and it needs uh, addressed. Uh, slightly encouraging words yesterday saying that uh, there's a good few players uh, returning uh, to training and, and nearing uh, contention once again. So that'll be interesting. LC gets in touch. Johnny, uh, can come up for a timescale when they'll all be fit. We're months away from this. Um, I'm sure when we speak to the manager, <laughs> we'll get, hopefully we'll get, I mean, it has been pretty vague, Rangers. They don't give out specific dates, uh, as we know. Um, so it's, it's a bit of a grey area, isn't it, Johnny? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm not going to get involved in putting timescales no. on uh, for fear <laughs> of getting things wrong. Um, I think... Um, Roughly, roughly, we can expect. Um, well, for a, for a start, Kmar Roof is back, fit and training, uh, and looks like um, he'll be ready to go back in immediately. Um, John Souter, we can see, is about the place. Um, if you watch the RTV videos, you can see that he's he's at the training centre, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I think Ben Davies is going to be okay. Obviously, um, Connor Golson's still a few, I think, a couple of months away. Um, not quite ready yet, that's for sure. But as you say, Derek, um, they don't give you a time scale, uh, Rangers as a, as a club. It's it's basically a club uh, position. They they don't yeah. want to put pressure on the players. They want to to keep it quite um, opaque in terms of, of of when exactly they're coming back. We can kind of understand that why we remember the Mark Warburton era, where you had the issue where people were asking about Jordan Rossiter. Every presser and, and and Mark would say, you know, he's going to be seven to ten days away, and it kept getting pushed back because Jordan would have a, a setback or there'd be something not quite right, and it became a stick to beat the club with. So I understand completely why they, they they've taken that position, and um, but it, it kind of makes it more difficult for us. We have to go down the the um, the Michael Beal uh, acceptance though, and, and he said that that he, that position is clearing up and clearing up fast. So. I think the, the quicker you get Connor Goldson back, I know that he can be divisive in the comments on this video and this podcast, but uh, the quicker you can get him back, uh, the better for Rangers. He's he's the number one. Yeah, it's such a busy sh uh, show today, guys. Lots of comments come in, and I've never mentioned it yesterday, so I do apologise, but uh, congratulations, of course, to uh, Borna uh, for helping Croatia get past Japan the other day. They're up against Brazil next, so they've certainly got that their hands full based on uh, Brazil's performance against South Korea uh, the other night. Uh, can Borna go all the way, Stevie? And, and, and of course, they were runners-up four years ago. Uh, that would be something else if he can uh, help Croatia get to, well, get past Brazil, first of all, wouldn't it? It's, it's great to see him there, isn't it, though? Yeah, it is, and I'd love to see him do really well. Um, it was interesting last night because um, all of a sudden, Portugal are at the forefront of all our thoughts. They were outstanding. Probably the best performance so far of the competition for me. Spain going out to Morocco. It's it's so unpredictable. And this is why we enjoy it so much, because we're at the tail end now, the business end, if you like. And and really, when you look at it, of the eight teams that are left, you know, who's to say any one of them can't have a decent run and, and go, you know, even further to the final? So we want Borna to do really well and... and um, you know, and really kind of have a good competition. So he done well the other day, had a good game. But it's interesting, though, selfishly, I can I think to myself, well, who's going to be left back now on, on Saturday yeah. against Leverkusen and who's going to be left back against Hibs? So sorry to be so Rangers-minded about it, but, you know, Red Van, as far as we were aware, is still quite a bit away. So who plays left back is the interesting one for me. 
Yeah, yeah, it will be interesting, isn't it, Johnny? What what, what have you made of uh, the World Cup? You've seen m- much of it. Um, can Croatia uh, shock Brazil and Borna? It's an interesting point that Stevie makes, isn't it? I mean, I mean, if they do get past uh, Brazil, he's he's got to be missing. He will be missing for for the Hibs game, and it, it leaves uh, Michael Beale for a little bit of a headache. Yeah, I'm really interested to know how Michael Beale's going to solve this problem uh, yeah. because there isn't anyone obvious there. I suppose you'd have to go down to the youth team. Um, Can Leon King maybe play there? I know he's pretty versatile across the back, isn't he? But I think it's not ideal, I guess. He probably ben could. can play left-sided, so he possibly could yeah. play at left-back if he's fit. That would be the only real... Unless he switches around the formation slightly. And But it is a, it's an intriguing one. That's all, I, <laughs> that's all I've been thinking about recently. Who's going to play left-back? <laughs> I think uh, Portugal last night, Stevie's right, they were absolutely sensational. Can you imagine if we got a Portugal-Argentina final, a shootout to to establish <laughs> yourself as the greatest of all time? You know, uh, one game to define yeah. the GOAT, although Cristiano Ronaldo might might find himself on the bench for that. Uh, yeah, I yeah. he will. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, but as Stevie says, it certainly is uh, heating up uh, quarterfinals, of course. No football today or tomorrow. Uh, back again on Friday. Uh, we'll be back, though, tomorrow morning, as ever, talking Rangers every weekday. And we will be at Ibrooks uh, as well, covering that Bayer-Leverkusen match. Thanks to everyone for getting in touch with the programme this morning. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, if you've not already done so, you can subscribe firstly to our YouTube channel, which is totally free. We've surpassed 10,000 subscribers. So thank you very much for everyone that's supporting the channel. And of course, you can see the little ticker below. We've got that uh, tremendous offer on the website. Our Christmas deal, two months of uh, uh, content for just a pound. Head over to rangersreview.co.uk forward slash subscribe for all the details. We'll be back again tomorrow, but until then, enjoy the rest of your Wednesday.